0: Hey everybody, it's your pal Mike Shea uh, with SlyFlourish.com and on Twitter at twitter.com slash SlyFlourish. And I am here today with uh Paige Litman. L- Paige, would you like to introduce yourself? Did I first of all, did I pronounce your last name right?
1: It's Lightman, Lightman. but the eye and the E are backwards, which has caused generations worth of confusion from Ellis Island yeah. to the present day. Yeah, it's
0: okay. I get Shia all the time. So right, can right. Uh, please introduce yourself if you would.
1: Sure. My name is Paige Lightman. I am an Atlanta uh, resident, and my husband and I run the D&D Adventures League at DragonCon. We write CCC uh, hang on content one second, for it.
0: Hey, hey, Rudy, it looks like the channel jumped back over to the shared side. I, I'm looking at Twitch. It jumped back over to somebody's shared game, it looks like. Oh, is it really? Oh, are we still live? Wow, I suck. Sorry. Continue,
1: Paige. All right. So, uh, where are we? DragonCon. We've been running uh, Adventures League and writing for Adventures League at DragonCon for three years. For those of you who don't know, DragonCon is about a 80 or 90 thousand person convention in Atlanta, Georgia, every Labor Day. Uh, we've also written for D and D Adventures League. We wrote Five Two: The Black Road and I have been organizing cons for two editions now. I've been organizing conventions for three editions. Uh, We have this weird collie like instinct to herd gamers. Uh, Additionally, I do a lot of playtesting for uh, various authors, as well as um, uh, I am a moderator on the D&D main D&D 5th edition Facebook group, and I've been there for about two years i guess so i've i've kind of done a little bit of nearly everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah so um you posted a couple of posts i, I lurk on the uh D adventures league facebook group uh and on the main D group over on on facebook i love to i love those sites because it's a great way to hit a lot of people at once and yeah, get a lot of results back. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so it's it's probably the best source that I've seen to really get your thumb on like what the people are thinking, obviously right. with all the biases included. You know, include all of your disclaimers about about bias surveys and all that. Anyway, you posted a couple of posts. Um, there, there's been a topic that has been coming around a lot, which is uh, streaming D and D. Obviously, streaming D and D is huge. And our huge. last yeah huge in our in our last uh, DM's deep dive, I had Grant uh, Grant Ellis. Who does a lot of streaming D and D hours and hours and hours a week, and he and I talked about what streaming means for D and D. Period.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, but I was particularly interested because, as somebody who's been involved in organized play as much as you have, to um, you you posted some some very positive posts about what streaming means, not just for D and D, but for organized play in particular. Sure. And, and this has felt like an area where there's a big split between what streaming D&D looks like and what players who learn about D&D from streaming think D&D is like and what the Adventures yeah. League is. Um, so I like those posts very much. And uh, and I said I, I wanted to have you on the show so we could talk specifically about this topic. Um, as we do in this show, though, one of the things I like to start off right off the bat is, is offer some kind of... You know very specific advice that we can give to 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 dungeon masters and in this piece um i'll ask the questions what are the top three pieces of advice you have for DD dms including DD adventures league dms um that you can offer given the big impact we're seeing with streaming
1: sure and that's like a matt colville sometimes does hey if you don't watch any more of the podcast but this remember this thing so, uh, so here's like here's what I want to say. And if you want to turn it off after this, that's great. Uh, please don't. But if you do, you know, whatever, that's fine. So the first and most vital piece of uh, advice I have for DMs is to wake up. I mean, wake up. Uh, our hobby is changing and it's growing. And this is the golden age of D and D. It's never been this good before. And, and I don't know that it'll ever be this good again. So you need to get out there and you need to experience it, not just your home game, not just your friendly local game store. You need to go to a convention and see how the demographics are changing. Look who the young players are, see what they look like, see what they're interested in, go online and talk to people about it. There are many places online to talk about what's new in D&D and why you you love D&D. Also, a strong piece of advice is watch streaming shows. Uh, You may be a crusty old grognard like myself. I was just talking to Mike how I learned Redbox back in the day. Mm -hmm. Even if watching D&D doesn't sound like fun to you, please go do it. Please go do it because that is super important to our hobby. Like. I'm not a super fan of the Beatles, but I understand that they're hugely important to uh, (laughs) rock and roll, right? Right. You don't have to love it, but you do have to have some appreciation for it because everybody else in your hobby is affected by it. Mm -hmm. Um, So my first piece of advice, wake up, look at what's going on, just get out there and kind of experience beyond your your home game table. Um, My second piece of advice is to get out of the rut. You may have DMed the same way for 30 years. God knows I have. It's time for you to learn some new tricks because good enough is not good enough. Uh, your, your home game table may like it, but you're not perfect. Like mm-hmm. There's all kinds of DMs out there who you can, through the virtue of streaming and the internet, see how they solve the same problems you have. And I guarantee you, you're gonna find a couple of things that make your your games much better. So, second piece of advice: get out of the rut. Be open to change. Mm-hmm. Just be prepared to learn something. That that being open, that uh, that openness is is
2: huge. Mm-hmm.
1: My third piece of advice is uh, go watch or listen to Critical Role, Adventure Zone, Girls Glut Girls Guts Glory, Broadswords, Venture Maidens, whatever. Yeah, I know. Particularly like I said, if you're an old school grognard like me, maybe you don't wanna, but go do it anyway. That's <laughs> gonna give you some critical insight into what's going on in our hobby right now.
0: All right. Those are great. Um, man, I could talk about all three of these forever. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I know that one of the so one of the tricky bits that I've had um, and I and I I hear this often and I don't know if it's generational or if it's a different sort of different lifestyles and everything. But like I barely have time to watch anything like I, I don't I feel like I don't have time for YouTube at all, you know, and we're not even talking about YouTube. Now we're talking yeah, about live yeah. D&D. I'm like, who the hell has time for live D&D? Um, right, right. Well, my wife and I started watching Critical Role as our breakfast show. So now, yeah. before we go to work, we put on Critical Role. We're still way behind, but oh, you know, yeah. we really enjoy it. And now, now I can say like I, I'm a
1: critter. Like I can name the characters. And, right, you know, right. I feel, uh, I, have, I feel for them. I have the fortune, fortune, uh, for of living in Atlanta and uh, working on the northwest side and living on the northeast side. So I have an hour or more every morning to catch yeah, up. On. Right. On streaming play.
0: Yeah, so that's great. So, so that idea of like
1: figuring—I think you're right. I think that
0: uh, watching watching this stuff and watching people play um, is a fantastic resource, even if we've been running D and D forever. I know that I've picked up a lot of tips from from DMs that I've been watching only recently, and and, and like you, I've been you know playing D and D for a long time, running D and D games for a long time, um, and f- but and, and and for for the for the busy folk finding those little times to be able to slide it in I think can can offer yeah I think you're right can can offer a lot of benefit um I'll
1: uh, I'll take the broadswords over the news on my yeah, morning right. drive <laughs> any day yeah I
0: probably, probably listen to a little bit too much planet money and not enough right, right but right. um but yeah I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting my fix now uh, but it's just amazing because it it really feels overwhelming like yeah. There's no way we could watch all of the different D and D shows. If you pick the top no eight, right? If you pick the top eight, we wouldn't be able to keep up. Correct. Right? And that that's 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 kind of and then, you know and there wasn't any three years ago. You know, right. there was penny penny arcade stuff and, and right. it, that was once every six months. Um, the other interesting but, thing about but yeah,
1: the the idea of like I've always told people who are like, hey, I want to get better at D and D or I want to get better at DMing. My first piece of advice has been I, I've, go to a, a big nasty. con. Yeah, play play different games with yeah. different DMs and different players at a big con that will make you a better player. This is just the same thing, but magnified.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, what the hell's the name of that author? It's a famous author who wrote a book. Uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman played him in a movie. Wrote the book. Um, God, I can't remember. Anyway, famous author who was a, known as a very famous interviewer. And uh, um, he was interviewed about his ability to interview people, and they said, like, how do you how do you interview boring people? And his answer was like, I think about why they're so boring. Like, I'll sit there and I'll ponder like, what in this person's life made them so tremendously boring. And I and I think with um, yeah, uh, I think with D like some of, I've learned more from bad D D games than I probably did from yeah. good ones. So I agree. Like I go to a, we, my wife and I go to a lot of conventions and we we'll, and we play at conventions. I, I tend not to run yeah. games at conventions and boy, I just keep notes, you know, and I'm not being mean and like, well, this person just sucks, but I'll just like, huh, you know, this person, like, um, um, I remember Jay Africa, who's, who plays big in adventures league was like yeah. one of the best DMs I ever, I ever <laughs> had the opportunity to, to play with. And I just wrote like a whole bunch of, yeah, Truman Capote. Oh, thank you. Truman Capote is the, author i was thinking of that i couldn't remember um uh and the j africa Africa stood the whole time right Mm -hmm. like he ran a game on his feet and i was like that's a really powerful idea you know i wrote that down and many people have talked about that it's not no it's not hunter thompson it was it was it was Truman Capote um yeah, I also, that that idea of, like, learning, learning more, there, there's part of it, which is we don't, like, us old-timers don't have to throw away what we've learned over the past 30 years. You know, it's and not like, shouldn't. right, like, you know, I know you're a data nerd like myself, and if we think like a Bayesian, we have our priors, right? We have yeah. 30 years of prior experience, and as we get new evidence, we just tweak it a little bit. We don't have to oh, you know, throwing it all out the window and playing a totally different game. we just kind of like, oh, there's a piece, new piece of data. Tweak the, you know, tweak tweak the tweak, tweak the total algorithm. And then as we get more and more and more and it keeps piling up, we tweak it more and more and more.
1: Right, um, and, and that's part of the pushback that I have gotten when yeah. I have suggested stuff like this is I'm not Matt Mercer. I yeah. shouldn't have to DM like Matt Mercer. Dude, nobody is asking you to be Matt Mercer. Yeah. I'm not Matt Mercer. Right. Like nobody's right. Matt Mercer except Matt.
0: Yeah, so uh, let, me, or- let me let me talk about that cuz it's interesting. You posted a okay. post um, you posted a post on Facebook uh, to an article about seven tips people can pick up from Matt Mercer. Right. On on organized play and there was about 190 comments on that yeah. one. And I didn't just read all of the comments. I stuck them in an Excel spreadsheet and I went down every comment and labeled it as whether it was a positive positive to the idea, negative to the idea, or didn't have anything to do with the idea. And um, yeah, and it was about 120 out of the 180 actually had, we're, re- were talking mm-hmm. about that. There was a whole bunch that were talking about things like inspiration and stuff like that yeah. that weren't exactly relevant. And it was about 60% were positive and about 40% really? were negative. Yeah, so I thought, huh. I thought okay. that was kind interesting. Of yeah, which is, you know, and again, st- all those biases aside, it's me looking at the data and I'm coloring what I see, you know, mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah, but
1: to, to know positive, negative, because I had I had thought there were more negative comments, it feels but like it's that, probably right. that I engaged more with the names. Right, comments.
0: right, right. That's why I. That's why I did it. Right, because like yeah. we could look at it and have an estimate. But the result was that about about sixty percent of the post. And now the other variable is if there was a positive person that posted three times, I count that as three positives, because I had eliminated the names. Yeah. Um, so it's it's flawed, is my point. But you know that idea that it's sort of steering a little bit towards the positive side, but it's not unanimously positive. Right, <laughs> There is this large group of people who, just like you said, are like, hey, I don't know who Matt Mercer is, and if somebody says they want me to play more like Critical Role, they can suck eggs and go play at someone else's game. Precisely. You know? And, 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 there's, it, yeah.
1: and that's, that's not what the article said, and that's not what I said. What I said was, hey, yeah. we've got a population of people coming in, and they kind of expect this thing we normally play this thing, so maybe we can maybe switch over this way just yeah. an angstrom or two.
0: Yeah. So t- can you can you talk more about that? So can you like that 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 overall that overall idea? Like when you when you see streaming, I know we've we've been running down rabbit holes in my fault, but sure. um, when you look at streaming as somebody who's in organized play, what is it? What do you see? Get, get, so, you know, that was a good start.
1: Right. So. Um, So picture, if you will, a continuum. And you've got super tactical play on one side. And God knows I was as power gamey as anybody else in 3.5. Like I had the character who was 15 different classes and two belts of battle and tactical play on one side and then narrative play on the other side. And the Adventurers League tends to be a little more tactical because it's it's the nature of the beast i think uh because we have strict time limits when we're playing in game stores and cons because each adventure has to be written to run multiple groups through it so it can't be perfectly tailored around your character and it it just tends to be a little tactical now that's not saying everybody in the adventures league plays tactical some play very tactical some play very narrative some play in the middle it's a, it's a bell curve mm-hmm. um Streamers on the other hand kind of have a different set of expectations because every game is essentially a home game. There's no time limit. It takes however long the players want to take with it. If uh, if you spend, you know, a whole session in the magic item shop talking to the person telling you magic items, that's fine. As long mm-hmm. as, you know, it's modestly entertaining, the streamers are great with that. Like that would that would drive an Adventures League con coordinator like into a fit. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, in a streaming game, the adventure is based around this person's backstory and how it deals with that person's backstory and that person's backstory. We don't have that ability to do that in Adventures League. So streamers kind of have a different view of, uh, of the game. And I think it tends to be a little more narrative and AL people have a different view of the game that tends to be a little more tactical. Actually, uh, can we put up the the? Yeah, Rudy, do you have slide? the slide? Excellent. So so you have these two different populations, and that's not saying that tactical is right and, and narrative is wrong, or narrative is right and tactical wrong. They're both absolutely fine ways to play D&D, and Lord knows there's a lot of people who've had a lot of fun playing on... Both ends of that spectrum and somewhere in the middle. So the question for Adventures League is geez, we have a whole bunch of new people coming in who have a slightly different expectation for what Dungeons and Dragons is. What do we do? Mm-hmm. So that that has been that has been my whole point. What so do what we do we do? do? Was, that
0: a, was that a rhetorical question? question? I need the answer.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, um, you know, the thing is, we have the same goal. Like, both the streamers and the hardcore Yale guys, we have a goal. And the goal is to sit down, play D&D, and have a great time. Like, that's all both parties want. So because we have the same goal, I, I feel like we can get there. And I feel like So there's two different ways to get there. One is to manage the expectations of the streamers and say, hey, folks, not everybody is Matt Mercer. Be prepared, you know, set your expectations accordingly. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing is to work with the AL side and consider making our environment a little more narratively driven. Mm -hmm. This is an experiment because organized play systems for the last three editions have been pretty tactical. Uh, 5e is probably less tactical than both fourth and third, but it's still relatively tactical. So we can look at it and say, do we want to be good hosts? Like, do we want to create an environment that these streamers are going to have less of a problem adapting to?
0: When we, when we, and when I think, just, just for a, just for terminology, when you're saying streamers, you mean people that have learned about D and D through streaming, yes, yes. not actual, not actual streamers, well, not the people too. actually running streaming games.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, them too, but the people who learn D and D from the streamers. Right. So, so the people who set their expectations about D and D from the streamers. Yeah, based on what and, they're seeing on streaming. Right. And I think that. Uh, both things, the way, the way to solve this is to have both, both sides try and meet in the middle a little bit, and it seems to me, and I have no inside knowledge, I have no data, I have gut feelings and anecdotes, so let me start with that disclaimer. It's my gut feeling that Wizards of the Coast is trying to push Adventures League a little more narrative. Like, look at the number of streamers that wrote mods for Season 7.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not an accident.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I don't know if you have seen Rakma, the adventure that has been released for Mordenkainen's Tone of Foes.
0: I, I own it, but I haven't read it yet.
1: Sure, I, I only own it through D&D Beyond. Yeah, that's the way I, that's I have it, yeah. yeah. So, much less box text. Matter of fact, I think none but at least very little box text. And um, it's got sections in it that are very Will Doyle. I adore Will's writing. Mm-hmm. That are very Will Doyle and say, here are playing with the pillars. And it says combat, this, this, this. Uh, exploration, that, that, that. And uh, role play, the other, the other, the other. So it gives you, I feel, multiple ways around some encounters. Now that's off, only off a brief skim. Because mm-hmm. I haven't had time to get super familiar with it too, but it's a different feeling than an Adventurer's League mod.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very different feeling. Although and technically
0: I, it is an Adventures League mod, right?
1: It is. It is. Yeah. So I I think that I think that Wizards of the Coast is not stupid. Mm-hmm. And they see what's going on, and they want to bring streamers in. And I know for a fact the AL admins aren't stupid. They see what's going on, and they want to bring the streamers in. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I think we're looking at an integration. Like, I have, I have a very good feeling about the integration. I believe it's being handled um, deliberately and intentionally.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so... so- you know kind of going back and getting nerdy and thinking like a base has any of the new information that you've received in comments to the couple of posts that you've read has that changed has that changed your views on on any of this are you seeing no
1: not changed my views but it's deepened my understanding of in many ways kind of how big of a hurdle we have to go Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who are very set in their ways
0: (laughs) yeah a lot of people have been playing for a long time yeah
1: yeah, and very realistically, very realistically, they've said, "Hey, I've been deeming this way for thirty years. Why would I change? It works." Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we're not we're not asking people to do things differently. Mm-hmm. For for instance, one of the the pushbacks that I got for talking about the Matt's DM tips was. Uh, Hey, we can't do this stuff cuz the Adventures League has rules. Right. We can't just, you know, sandbox everything. I mean, I'm not suggesting you should sandbox everything. The Adventures League needs those rules in order to maintain everybody's sanity. Mm-hmm. But DM empowerment is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you've got an uh, NPC who's kind of grumpy and they're very brusque and they have this goal, but you know, if you want to play them with the characters and discover like A different side of that personality. Oh, well, they're also really into puzzles and they're very curious intellectually.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You can do that. You can absolutely do that, and maybe you should.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So,
0: Um, in your in your in your discussions and interaction with um, uh, other D and D Adventures League dungeon masters uh, or the the organized play folks, uh, what, what do you are are they? Sort of, are they more on board with the idea of of moving things more towards narrative, the narrative style that we're seeing in streaming games, than, like, is are is their breakdown more in one direction than the other compared to the whole population of, you know, people playing D and D and organized play? Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that right.
1: Now, which which group are you asking? So about? so you have
0: you have all of the people that play organized play. Right, and that's one big group. And then you have the administrators and the dungeon masters. Are mm-hmm. they are they pulling it more towards narrative as a group or are they split equally like the player base is?
1: I, I can't speak for the admins. Okay. I'm friends with several of them, but I have zero inside information. Mm-hmm. So going by what I know of them personally, my guess is that they're extremely aware of this. Mm-hmm and extremely aware that if we want to continue getting new players, that we need to look at the streamers yeah. and look at welcoming people who have learned d d by streaming into our community. And I would, I'll bet you case of beer, that they think about it, they got it mindfully looking at ways to tweak mm-hmm. Adventurers League in order to be hospitable. No, no information. Right, but that's my guess. That's my gut. Yeah,
0: but like you like you mentioned earlier, we have we have you know sort of external pieces of evidence we can look at, like yeah. the fact that Rudy, you know, uh, uh, other other Rudy wrote yeah. for um, Adventures League, and Satine Phoenix wrote for Adventures League. Um, and
1: there was another streamer that wrote for season seven, but the name escapes me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but but Watsy knows.
0: Sure. Yeah, and and. Um, yeah so it's yeah so we're seeing we're definitely seeing evidence that it's heading that way and i wonder if that is going to end up leading to more resistance um, i don't know
1: i mean because also i mean you're aware obviously of the rules for organized play that came out within the back of xanathar's guide to everything mm-hmm. which kind of made like record scratch we all look around is like hey what do you what do you mean mm-hmm. you know where you have uh uh four checkpoints each mod gives you a checkpoint or two and you get four checkpoints and you go up a level Mm -hmm. and you have you buy treasure with treasure points oh
0: man i can't i really hope they put that stuff in play
1: (laughs) i imagine they're going to yeah i i I don't know i don't know but i'm i'm not super excited about that change but um eh, you know change is scary (laughs) um I'm, I'm not just, I'm
0: super just tired excited of, about I'm, that. I'm tired of the income tax forms for my characters. Yeah. Oh, my but,
1: God. But the thing is, organized play, which has been churning for 20 years, maybe, maybe between 20 and 25 years, uh, we've had various, for just Dungeons & Dragons, has had various iterations, and you'll learn something every time you try something. Sure. Even if it's it fails, even if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. you always learn something and that's necessary so if they're going to go to a slightly tweaked uh format more like rachma and if they're going to go to uh the xanathar's guide guidelines for it i'm all for it Mm -hmm. like i want to i want to see what happens as much as the next person
0: yeah um
1: but, I, but I'd like to reiterate, no knowledge. I
0: yeah, remember. right, right. We're, we're pontificating. And yeah. I wonder, and you know, like, I guess my, my, my dreams and predictions are probably, you know, pretty close to useless. Um, but in 4th edition, they had the Lair Assaults. Do you remember the Lair Assaults?
1: I loved 4th edition. I loved 4th edition organized play. I do remember Lair Assaults. More importantly, I remember the My Realms modules. <laughs> Those guys were awesome. I yeah. wish they would bring them back. Um, it, it would be interesting if they if they
0: wanted to push the regular Adventures League adventures more towards a narrative style, but they knew that there were heavy tactical you know, players mm. who really enjoyed the heavy tactical stuff. If they said, "Here's our set of tactical adventures, where it's a yeah. very light story, very clear tactically built, you know, combat, and they're maybe shorter, but that's what they're focused on." So if you really want to get your fight on and battle test your your character, there's where you do that. Yeah. If you want to just or, enjoy a story, you're going to go, you know, the the regular stuff.
1: Or they say, you know, everybody's been uh, dithering and happy because we've got GIF in Morton Cadence. It's right. like, "Hey, if you want to play tactical stuff, go play Spelljammer, and if you want to play more <laughs> narrative stuff, play Forgotten Realms."
0: Yeah, right, right. So they could actually split it up by Yeah. By the, by the thematic narrative.
1: Yeah, or, um, hey, we're going to bring back Eperon or Dragonlance or pick whatever, blah, blah, blah and then,
0: Yeah, now they seem, it seems like now they've been expanding uh, to different parts of the Forgotten Realms, right?
1: Yeah. Or, you know, have a, I mean, obviously everybody hates the Red Wither- Wizards and they, you know, they should. Um, <laughs> and so you could do like a whole thing with the Red Wizards and all the Red Wizard mods are super tactical.
0: Right, right. And yeah, so that that I think is another another sign that things are moving towards a more narrative approach and organized play is the Red War. Um, yeah. Do you, do you, can you can you describe a little bit of what about the Red War?
1: Um, not very much. Okay. Uh, my husband, however, was super gung ho with the Zentara, uh-huh. and uh, I have good friends that were in with the uh, Order of the Gauntlet and the Harpers, but I was very, very exterior to it. Mm-hmm because I was trying to get uh, six mods through editing at the time and did not have patience for another thing. So definitely talk to Jonathan Connor self or get Ben on there and have him talk to you about it for our listeners who don't know anything about it. I can give a basic overview, but sure. I don't have much in the way of the details. Um, so, fan-made Facebook groups that had nothing to do with the admins, nothing to do with the Watsi, came up for the major factions. And they decided, basically, that due to some of the events in Flan, they wanted to go to war with Thay. Mm-hmm.
0: Was it yeah. was it Flan or Mole Master?
1: Mole Master. Sorry, Mole Master. You're absolutely right, Mole Master. And that uh, they... You know, had the Harpers are talking to the Order of the Gauntlet about battle plans, and, you know, the Emerald Enclave says that we can do this. And they came up with all this great fiction and excitement about it, and then basically took it to Alan Patrick and is like, yeah. make this go. And it, it, it was great fun for all the people that were involved. And I think most of them would love to see more stuff like that, but it's really hard to manage that stuff. So I don't. I don't know any plans.
0: Yes, well, at Origins there is actually a Red War module, right? There's yeah. an, ep- an an epic, I think. Yeah. Um I I have I have tickets for it. So I'll, I'll
1: People were engaged. shitting each other for tier 4 tickets.
0: Yeah, I didn't get tier 4 and that's yeah. tier 4 is crazy. I'll just stick to my tier it 2. Is. But um yeah, from what I from what I had heard it yeah, like you said, it was sort of like players that got together and like sort of went to the you know the courthouse door and nailed a mm-hmm. you know thing on the front saying we are pissed off at the red wizards you know and we want them out of moment. And, and and the DMs you know the 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 admins were like who, who, what the hell's going on you know like right what, what, what the hell you know, what is this is this in character or not in character I can't tell right yeah. and and then kind of it sounds like um you know people people sort of ran with Garrett and uh, is mm-hmm. you know a a friend of mine and, and a DM that I've that I've played under for a long time. Well, no, yeah, long, he's amazing. A few a few different games I played under him. And uh, I remember him just like super getting into it, you know, on 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 chat and everything else. So so that that to me is a good sign that the whole attention that's been applied to that, the sort of it was a player generated idea. It has nothing to do it's not like it was an, an online campaign to break the, the core plus one rule. Which we no. hear all the time, right? It was yeah, an in-game, that, right, right. It was an in-game piece of narrative, yeah. um, that where where players got together and said, "We want to sort of push the story this way." Which, if you think about the home game idea and the more narrative approach that some DMs will take, where they say, like, they do like a sh- session zero and say, "Where do you guys want to go?" You know, my my Tomb of Annihilation game, a group now has their own base and they have a hundred hirelings. Right. And you're like in the jungle, you know? like, yeah, you know they have a they have they're setting up a mining operation. Right. So um, now we can start. We can almost see that happening at the large scale in mm-hmm. organized play, and that's that's a pretty fantastic thing. And I think it's a good sign that um, that that people are moving to this narrative approach. Uh, something else that I saw that was interesting. This was at Origins a couple of years ago. Uh, was that many of the rewards, the story rewards that were being given, had no real mechanical benefit at all? They yeah. were like they were like noble titles, or you know, an estate, or you know, it was all. The, and I remember like my immediate reaction was like, "That's not a plus one sword. Who cares? Right? right. Like, that that how does that improve your armor class?" And then I was like, "That's really cool." Like because I was watching people who in my in my myopic view I thought of as tactical gamers who only cared about whether or not their character had a better saving throw. And they were like
1: really excited about this. Oh yeah. That they got. And they were really, like I was, I was at origins last year in XP track. So I know people that specifically paid the money to get on XP track, just so they'd have a good chance, not a guaranteed chance, a (laughs) good chance to get a a boat, one of the ships from five chance. That's right. That's worth 240 bucks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, but but that that also showed me that, you know, it it was, it was, I mean, I remember it now, like thinking, I was like, wow, that's cool. Like people are actually into the story rewards that they're given. And I'm not even that, like, I I love streaming and I love narrative games and and all that. But my characters are kind of bundles of hit points with with attack bonuses, right? I don't, because I don't play enough to really be super invested in my characters. But now I'm starting to think more about like, no, I, you know, I actually, one of my, I took the Xanathar Xanathar's guide, and I went through the sort of background
2: mm-hmm. random
0: tables, and I'm like, wow, I have two older sisters and a younger brother. <laughs> and I was like, so that that whole, it's it's neat. I I think we are seeing at least, in, I mean, from what, again, no good data, no good statistics, but it feels like we're seeing a lot more, um, a lot more people uh, in organized play that are. Heading towards that more narrative approach.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, there's one interesting thing you brought up, which is sort of a a totally, you know, it's a brick wall that cannot, like, literally in the physical universe cannot change. Which is that we can't break time, and these these events are timed, right? And we don't run long. You know, Matt Mercer gets to decide when his game is going to end, and knows where to pick up. Right,
1: right. And it, but I mean, if we're playing, if we're playing at my house at my table, and it was like, hey, do we care if we do this mod in one session or two sessions or three yeah. sessions? Nah, nobody, nobody really cares as long as we're having fun. Then we're gonna spend an hour talking to the guy who sells yeah. magic. <laughs> right. Or go to the, the the porn
0: shop at the book. The right. Bookstore. But
1: on the other hand, yeah. like I said, my husband and I run a lot of cons. We run Dragon or have run Dragon Con. We're not running it this year. Yeah. Um. We're handing it off to the next generation. But like, I come up to a table at three hours and 30 minutes and, like, are yeah. you done yet? What about now? What about now? Because yeah. you know who's hard to muster Players who haven't had a chance to eat yet.
0: Yeah, right. That is
1: just not any kind of fun. Yeah. So,
0: so that, that, that...
1: you come to a time to enjoy it, and if you're just, like, D&D, 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 no breaks because your table's are running over, you get a little owly. Yeah, and that's – I wonder – so I think that that's that's
0: might be like the rest of it is sort of a fuzzy social and sociological sort of you know thing to look at on how do you get you know are are people who are real into tactical game are they going to be okay as the get the whole you know as as the whole that whole big wave that you have starts to shift towards mm-hmm. the narrative side. But then there's this also, like, well, whatever, however these adventures go, you still got to finish them in roughly three and a half to four hours. Yeah. And it won't help if you finish them in two hours because there actually wasn't any combat when you right. thought there was going to be. But they found out, well, they stealth checked their way around two of the battles.
1: <laughs> you, know? you know. so in the in the most recent batch of CCC that Ben and I sent for editing at Baldman Games, which is the second. Origins Ma, second Elmwood second series, which was Origins uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I know they're very late. Um, we added a piece of text, which I actually put here so I could see it. We actually put a piece of text in these very tactical encounters, because we like writing hard tactical encounters, um, that says enemies in the cave of danger can be tricked, bullied, or otherwise bamboozled by clever characters. Bribery will be expensive because of spoiler, spoiler, spoiler use (laughs) passive insight and passive perception of enemies listed in their stat blocks. Skill check DC should be 14 for things that seem plausible or 18 for things that seem implausible reward, clever ideas and good role playing with advantage. Mm -hmm. So that's like a small way you can say, you know, no, you don't get full XP because you didn't kill all of the ogres and you snuck by them. Negative ghost rider. Yeah. If, if they, if they sneak past the ogres, they absolutely get the XP for them. Right, right. And I think just a clear statement of saying that, hey, you don't have to kill everything in order to get maximum rewards would go a long way towards a more narrative style of play.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that's and actually I, one of the reasons I'm, I'm eager for those. I mean, I'm eager for the um, Xanathar organized play guidelines for a few reasons. But one is that like, it just takes all of that off the table. Like, there's no yeah, longer yep. a worry about what you did. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Like, you know, we don't know how the hell our game's going to go, and we don't necessarily know if one of the players is brand new and does stupid things should the whole group suffer with less experience for it. You yep. know? it's like, why we're, we're all, we're we're all worse here sitting yet. at a table. What's that?
1: We're worse yet. The guy who knows better and is an old yeah. player but plays chaotic neutral Ugh. and does stupid things. That, that person. We're not going there, but Yeah. So, yeah. Um,
0: just the idea of, like, why not just have it based on game time, you know? And it's like, you, you play for four hours, you gain a level. Like, it's, you know, who are we hurting?
1: <laughs> like, where, where does it really Well, matter? you know, there's... So this brings back perspectives from Living Greyhawk. And for all you young folks, Living Greyhawk was the organized play system for third third edition. So back when, uh, back when we had to ride a Diplodocus to get to the convention. Mm-hmm. And you had to work really hard to get anywhere in that game. Like, it was it was really hard. And there's something to be said for how much you love a character because you took so much time to level them up and you got, you know, de-leveled because you got with the wrong kind of undead a few times. Um, so there is... There is some joy in working really hard at it, and some pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Xanathar's, it's just like I just showed up and now I'm fourth level. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you, you know, so they have, both they, are they, good. They, yeah, ninety-five percent of the time it ends
0: up that way anyway. Though, at least in yeah. my experience, like I don't know that I've ever, in in all of the, I mean, and it's again, I don't I don't play, I run pseudo organized play games at uh, my FLGS, mm-hmm. and I play in convention games probably three to four times a year and about four to six games each convention. So not a ton. Um but in all of the fifth edition organized play games, we never didn't get the maximum XP for an adventure.
1: Most GMs are just going to give you maximum right. XP because it's going to take them five minutes to figure yeah. out how many XP it's, you weren't you earned. So they're just like whatever maximum XP right. and, and and the end result is going
0: to be well maybe it was a little less but the you know <laughs> Nobody cares. Cares. Nobody cares. Nobody so that's cares. That's why. That's why it felt like the Xanathar rules are like we know that no one cares. Just do this, you know. But well,
1: and and you saw that with the milestones in Storm yeah. King's Thunder because that yeah. that really blew people's minds. Did they? So I actually it was, it was milestones in Death House that blew people's minds gotcha. prior to that.
0: Gotcha. Um, so so uh, one quick note: uh, if anybody in Twitch has any questions, feel free to throw questions out there. Uh, I know we've had a lot of chatter. I see chatter in Twitch, but I didn't see any questions. If you have any, let us know, uh, and we will. In... Girl, what's your question? Sure. Who is it? So... Oh, wait,
2: who the hell are you for oh, one? Oh, my goodness. You get into... It's me, Rudy Basso. I've been Rudy here the Basso? whole time. Oh, my God. It's true. Hey, Rudy, thanks for managing um, the show. I have a question. So one thing that happens in streams that can't be replicated in AL at all is audience interaction, by which I mean... People can yep. give bits, people can donate, and sometimes that has direct effect on the game. Mm-hmm. Do you guys mm-hmm. think this is a negative thing? I, you know, I understand you want to make a little money when you do your streams, it's a lot of time, a lot of effort, but do you think this is kind of a negative aspect to this um, medium for the hobby? You mean Me just, from a just from a streaming yep. standpoint? From uh from from I guess like a, a game just like in general standpoint.
0: What, what do you think, Paige?
2: So, from my standpoint,
1: this is just one woman's opinion. Like nobody goes into streaming for the fat loot. Like
2: <laughs>
1: you nobody, go to school, and you, right? You go to school and you become a doctor or a lawyer if you want fat loot in life. Uh. So if they're giving money for your stream, then that's great. I, more often you see it with charity stuff like, hey, you know, rerolls because, you know, Extra Life or whatever the charity. So, you know, if the streamer makes a little more money, then God bless because they're putting a lot of work into it. And if they're doing it for charity, that's great. I mean, frankly, in Atlanta, we have a, a culture where we do charity events for Extra Life. Like both two of our big game stores on the north side, uh, gigabytes and heroic shout out. Um, both do excellent game days and game weekends that give to, uh, uh extra life. Matter of fact, uh, heroic just raised 3,500 bucks last weekend by running two epics, the seven, one and seven, two epic. It's kind of the same thing. If you're like, Hey, I, for a dollar, I can reroll my dice. It's not interactive. And maybe at the table, it's interactive. Like, hey, you know, you reroll your dice. Here's my here's my reroll token.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I I don't have a problem with it. And yeah, I've seen
0: uh, I've seen gaming conventions. So I go to a local convention called 1d4Con here, and uh, it's in oh, West oh, Virginia. yeah, yeah. And I see it, it advertised. Yeah, I like it very much. It's it might be my favorite con just because it's so it's small and it's all my friends from around here. <laughs> and uh, they have a thing where like you buy cookies. And you get tickets and then you can drop the tickets in to get advantage and stuff like that. That's yeah. very cool. We burned them all in like one encounter, you know, like every one of us threw them all in.
1: Yeah. The um, DMS are like, you got reroll tickets.
0: Yeah. Right. So all right, yeah, now, now's good. the time. Right. Um, Yeah. And, and I agree with you. Like, uh, you know, people that use in, in streaming. So the interesting thing is the streams I watch don't have that. Right. Like I guess critical role is pretty much the mainstream that I watch and I I'll dive into other ones and kind of peer, but I, I, I I really haven't seen a lot of shows where um, the the nature. I guess Jerry Holcomb did it a little bit in, in um, the C team, um, but generally I haven't seen ones that interact with the audience too much. Um, but I also am a firm believer in never getting in the way of anyone else's hustle. You know, if somebody found a you know if somebody found a good way to get money. Good on them. <laughs> like right. you know, today's world, oh my God! Bless their
1: hearts. Need all help
0: we can get, and and you know, what people want to do is is up to them. I don't I don't really see it as as in you know if it if it hurts the game, people wouldn't react to it, and then it would fade off. I don't know. Natural selection will 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 Sure,
2: way. just wanted to ask that one. It was on my mind. We do have a question from Twitch chat sure. from Kithree 210 Is there some is there some way AI AL- uh, excuse me, is there some way within AL to make better matches between DMs and players if expectations could be made explicit? Yeah. Would, would there be a way to for DMs to self-identify as more tactical or more RP and then let players know what your game is going to be like? Is that possible? What do you think, Paige? Um,
1: it, it certainly is, and in fact, the convention running group in Atlanta has talked about that. Um, and it's it becomes self-selecting cuz it's like hey we're going to do a game for newbies so we're specifically looking for dms that are going to be good for newbies like we've actually kind of discussed that saying hey you know this game is going to be super tact super tactical or this game's going to be super narrative and then you know the dm who wants to do that signs up for it and the players that want to do that sign up for it mm-hmm. i i don't have any ideas off the bat about how to work that into AL as a group, Mm
2: -hmm. but I
1: think individual conventions Mm -hmm. or friendly local game stores could, could make that happen. And I think it'd be great.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me, let me ask a a related, a related question. Um, Do you see on the, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, everything falls into the trench in my head with this, right? Um, Do you see that the, the sort of tactical versus narrative, does that, does that correlate strongly with uh, theater of the mind versus tactical combat?
1: Uh, no, not really. Like okay. I haven't seen that in my experience because I flip back and forth between theater of the mind and, um, and grid combat, because if it's a small combat or we're in a hurry, I, I don't use grid. I use theater of the mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen a strong division like that, but that'd be an interesting research project to do.
0: Yeah, so like um I have a again, I, I said I had my pseudo-organized play game, and that's because sometimes we play organized play and sometimes we just it, it turns into homebrew all of a sudden when weird treasure shows up or it goes totally off the rails. And but it's the same group of people and the way I found them in the first place was going to the AL, the the whatever the group was that was for our region back when we had regions and uh, I said, hey, I want to run a D&D game at this local game shop. I have a very narrative approach and I tend to run Theater of the Mind. So if you're not interested in Theater of the Mind and, and a heavy narrative game,
1: this probably isn't the game for you. And oh, yeah. And, and that and worked really well. Break down. Like people will break, people who need the grid will break down. For instance, the Origins Open last year, which we also ran at DragonCon last year, <laughs> yeah. the first half is only. Th- theater of the mind right. and you have both the dms and players just absolutely coming unglued yeah. because I, 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 they can't. I was at a yeah so i think Te- with the taos abadia write that Teos, sean molly and sean merwin
0: right so they and they ran that at origins last year or the year before i can't remember
1: last year and um it was also run in other places afterward. Or- yeah right so i, I played it at like origins like and i remember Bull, dragon Con, yeah because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a big
0: you know, I, I, I argue, like you I argue for, we should use whatever system fits the story at the time. And if a really cool battle map with great, you know, a lot of tactically, you know chewy bits is is relevant, then that's great. But we should also be open to using theater of the Mind for either crazy battles you can't do on a map or for short battles where you really don't want to take the time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, And Teos was very proud to run over, and I think he said to me, like, I want you to know, I wrote battles in here that you have to run in Theater of the Mind. I was like, that's not what I said at all. Like, you know, I something to the DM. But uh, I remember they ran him, and and we were playing it, and everything's fine. And they had the whole, like, the dinosaur comes bashing through. And one of our, and the, and the guy's like, a dinosaur bursts through, and it's attacking. And he's, like, yelling at it. And one of the players, like, practically just, ran off he's like i don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) like he's he's like where he's like looking at the map and there's nothing on the map he's like where's the dinosaur i don't know where it is yeah so it's very funny that like you know yeah like watching people come unglued was was kind of in my opinion it's it's good for him yeah (laughs) right like that's what it felt like it felt like it was felt like it was good for people yeah um but yeah, I, I wondered, because it worked well for me, a couple of times I've had, I've, I've just said clearly like, hey, I want to run a game. But by the way, it's going to be more of a narrative focus. It's going to be more open-ended and it's going to be, you know, expect theater of the mind. Even when I run tactical, I haven't had theater of the mind. People get mad that I then run a grid every so often, but yeah. I've certainly had it the other way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so if I tell them I'm going to run theater of the mind and then sometimes run a battle map, they don't get too bent out yeah. of shape.
1: But if you do um, it the other way, you're gonna have. to... the know. other way.
0: If people are expecting their tactical combat and you do it all theater of their mind, they're like, I don't know how many. I want to know how many things my fireball is gonna hit, you know? And I'm gonna to have to ask your permission to figure it out. So, yeah, that's
2: that, that's interesting.
0: Uh, Rudy, do we have any other questions? Any other interesting
2: comments in the, from the audience? Sure. Here? There's one more from DMGMC in Twitch chat. How do you think epics and other big events shape organized play and people's opinions of it?
0: Ah, that's interesting. What do you think, Paige?
2: So
1: I played home games for the first 20-ish years of my D&D life. And I loved them. Like, I went to a few cons and played a few games. But through grad school, I didn't have the money, didn't have the time. College, same thing. We had plenty of people there. No no sense. And uh, one of the first battle interactives I went to was in 3.5, Living Greyhawk, and uh, it was one of the terrible Grand March Jeff border skirmishes. Uh, and it blew my mind. I had so much fun. You had people willing to permadeath their characters in order to do the thing, whatever the thing was in that battle interacting. And people love them. Like mm-hmm. that is my experience is that the people freaking love love them mm-hmm. um and they particularly love them when something serious is on the line like we're gonna get the dragon out of flan so we're gonna you know invade the hills have the drow invade the hills far arena so i think that they shape organized play because you get people who know how to play D D at a table and then you expand that experience to multiple tables at once and it's it just dials up the adrenaline and dials up the 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 intensity and and people freaking love it and mm-hmm. it it is what really sells Adventurers league
2: mm-hmm. like yeah I really, really shows the difference like, right
1: yeah who are like yeah you know it's it's a game we played it at a table it was fine you know it was D, whatever i'm not super excited about it because i like homebrew better sure fine yeah like no there's no doubt that a home a good homebrew game is probably superior to a, a normal AL game because you know it's it's tailored specifically for you. It's bespoke. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing you can do at homebrew like a battle interactive.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I my yeah, one of my favorite sort of D D moments was uh in last year's uh epic um my character was the first character to die after the soulmonger had fired up. Oops. And yeah, and my, my character was dead, dead. His soul was stolen by the first one, I think in the world, taken by the soulmonger. And yeah. I got a certificate that said, you're the first. And it's yeah. the only certificate like that in the world. And yeah. they announced it from the balcony <laughs> to yeah. the entire room. And I got to like raise my hands be like, I died. And so now I have the only undead paladin in uh, organized play because I have my little card that, and I have to give it to DMs and be like, my guy's undead. And they're like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, just read the card.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, that's that, that, you you don't get that experience. You get great experience. I mean, I, I love home games. I have, I, you know, my some of my best friends are yeah. home games, but um, I really like, uh, you know, it's fun to do both and it's fun to see both. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I, I think I think that uh, uh, that really does show, and I think that's why they we we are seeing more of them in organized play than we used to, right? Like now, I've been to conventions. I think I think um, Winter Fantasy actually ran multiple epics, right? They had they
1: they were running seven one and. Seven I think.
0: Yeah, which is that's pretty interesting. That like yeah. if you have a room with seventy-two people playing D D in it, you might as well capitalize off of the fact that you have a room with yeah. seventy two people instead of having, you know, nine regular right. groups.
1: Plus the admins have made a decision that cons that are giving their proceeds to charity, and you have to run this through Alan Patrick, because I don't have the full details, can run some of the old epics. Yeah. So we did the one, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, where the Elemental Cults attacked Molemaster.
2: Yeah.
1: We ran that at Secret Mission Con in January of this year, even though it's old, retired, whatever. And uh, like I said, it was good fun. Like even people who'd already played it are like, No, we have to go save Molemaster. Mm-hmm. So they're they're fabulous. They're they're one of the best parts of the the organized play hobby. Yeah. Rudy, do we have any other questions?
2: Uh, no, I think that's about it.
0: All right. Um, let, me, let me go down my list. I, I wrote my old questions out, and I wanted to see if uh, have I missed anything. Um, we talked about just about everything. I mean, again, it's, it's very interesting. I guess we're going to see where things go, and I'm not a big believer in prediction. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Uh, but I think if we draw the trend line, I think the, you know, the the other, I don't think we have that graphic on hand, but the idea that, you know, we're kind of not changing everything, right? Not throwing out everything we've done, mm-hmm. but just sort of shifting the whole thing a little bit to the right. Um, the right being uh, uh, more towards a narrative focus. Uh, I think it's in line with what Wizards has been doing with their adventures and with their, with the style that they've been bringing for the game. Yep. Um, it seems like that's more what people are gravitating towards when they're coming in from streaming, um, and it's not exactly an anathema to people who have been playing D D. <laughs> like I was a super it's tactical what we've been player doing too. For sure. Yeah, right. I was a super tactical player, and I'm more than happy to enjoy enjoy more of the story focused stuff. So I think it's I'd, I think it's really interesting.
1: I do have some uh, potential ideas that AL groups, ALDMs, and the Adventures League as a whole might use to help integrate cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I think has to happen is it has to be led from the top. The AL admins and respected voices in the community, like Will Doyle, who's written so many adventures, right. uh, need to openly discuss the need for additional narrative support. hmm So that's the first thing that's got to happen to help integrate the cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, The next thing we need to do is something we've already started doing is invite streamers into the community and give Mm -hmm. them a platform to educate um, the Adventurers League folks about streaming. Like Mm -hmm. literally go to the streamers for advice on how how to integrate. Um, We have to educate our community uh, that this cognitive dissonance exists mm-hmm. like hey these guys might have a different view of DD than you did right um and get the community buy-in that it is important that the integration is something that we need for our hobby um i think some restructuring of the adventures would be good like i said i'm super excited to see the season eight adventures when they come out yeah um uh, we'll see how they uh, prop up the exploration roleplay pillars and make sure people are adequately rewarded for them
0: yeah that'd be really interesting um,
1: uh, another in- interesting idea I had is to maybe have season specific flaws bonds and ideals that bind your character very strongly into the yeah. story for that season mm-hmm. um, they've done that sometimes like they did it a little bit with Mule Master, but I don't know that I've seen it since
0: yeah it would Yeah, I agree I mean that I, I kind of wire that in right i usually build a new character for a season yeah um and i usually have to kind of come up with a reason myself or sometimes i leave it blank until i've played a few adventures um
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know and it's also different with cccs as well so there's the whole moonshade isle stuff right so yep. i want to make a character that's sort of wired around moonshade isle stuff that'll only play around there uh you, sh-
1: you should because I-
0: i've playtested
1: some of those and they're pretty good
0: good yeah well we're playing all three of them at um uh, two one, two two, and two three at Origins.
1: Good.
0: So yeah, we're excited. Uh, Paige, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I I doubt it will be the last conversation on this topic, certainly anywhere, yes. and hopefully hopefully not for us. Maybe you and I can 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 yeah. revisit this topic again in a few months and see where we are. Maybe after yeah. season eight comes out, uh, we can kind of look at what changed,
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: and and where we think this is going. Uh, I think this is a, you know, I, the whole, I, I, I also doubt this will be the last time that I talk about streaming and try to dig into streaming um, on this show, particularly because it's an area of this game that is having a huge impact and yeah. one I really don't know a lot about. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I'm trying, you know, to talk to people and meet people and understand and have conversations like this because uh, because it is, uh new to me and i think it's new to a lot of a lot of people so
1: well yeah. it's new to a lot of people but it's also it's new to a lot of those old ale people but right. for instance at dragon con last year we had a, a D&D demos and i i didn't think they would ever sell i thought i was gonna have seven dms with their thumbs up saturday morning we mm-hmm. had not only our room sold out but a line. You know, yeah. 300 people down the hall who wanted to play a little two hour yep. the you know five one six one seven one yeah. missions or yeah. five one, seven one, missions. And 90% of those people said one of two things brought them there. The first one was, hey, I used to play D d when I was a kid and now my kids are old enough to play we want to check it out. Right. The second one was, you know I saw a critical role and I really wanted I want to learn to play D d I want to actually play d hundreds of people. We're saying this, it was amazing. And it was a big wake-up call for me to say, holy catfish, what is going on? I need right. to get some of this. Right,
0: right. We need to start listening so, to these people. Right,
1: and yeah. It's,
0: oh, yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Uh, this has been outstanding. I've learned a lot. Um, do, you, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, you know... Yeah. I do, but it's not any product. What I want to plug is, hey, if you're listening to this and you think I'm all wet, I, I might be, but get out there and talk to five new D&D players and you ask them why they're <laughs> playing this game.
0: Just do your do is own- like. This is like your version of a catchka, right? Like you yeah. are free to send me a comment after you've talked to five new DMs. Right. Five, five, Not new DMs, DMs, new players. Yeah, right. Five new yeah. DM players. Once you talk to five yeah. new DD players, then you can talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I should do more of that. I should I should figure out how to, how to how to put myself in. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And and I, I, I'm going back to some of your initial tips, I think watching a stream, right? You know, yeah. Spend some time really trying to understand the people that watch streams and, and everything like that. Um, well, thank you again. I really appreciate you sure. sure. on the show. Rudy, Good thank one. you, as always, for managing our show tonight. Of
2: course. Um, thank you.
0: Thank you for... Sorry, go ahead. I said he's the man. He is, yes. Uh, thanks to everybody who came on to Twitch tonight. And for all of those that uh, uh, submitted questions, I appreciate it. And for all of you watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, uh, thanks to you as well. Uh, you guys have a great night.
2: Bye. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for watching. Uh, We'll be back.